Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, I can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I wanna collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey everyone, welcome to Fat Mascara. I'm Jess. I'm Jen. Hi guys, welcome to the Beauty Podcast. We're so excited to have you. We're also excited about this episode, which I mean, I feel like is a half a year in the works, more or less. Uh, we have Renella Hirsch on, Dr. Renella Hirsch. So episode 249 that we did continues to be one of your favorite episodes. That's when Renella came on. We're just going to call her Renella. I mean, clearly we're on a first name basis at this point. She came on to bust some internet myths, which have been percolating in the skincare world. It was such a good episode. I don't know if you remember at the end though, we were like barely halfway through everything we wanted to touch on. And we said, <laughs> we'll have you back on. We don't lie. We keep good to our word. Renella is back. And here's what we're going to do. P.S. I should say she joins a very small and elite club of double-time fat mascara guests. So get excited about that. But this time around, we were like, okay, not only are there the internet myths, the products themselves, I'm not saying they're myths, but the products themselves have labels on them, skincare products. And they are freaking hard to understand. There's lots of language that gets thrown around when we talk about skincare. Some of it's regulated, some of it's not. Some of it's confusing. So we worked with Dr. Hirsch to come up with things that her patients bring her they're confused about, things you guys have told us you're confused about, and just general things we see on the internet that are wrong to come up with some terms that she's going to define for us. So we're going to go through some terms and she's going to explain what she thinks a beauty company might mean by that, what it actually means, and what it means for you. Um, so if you're like a skincare obsessive, this is your episode. We are going deep, as Jess would say, 400 level, 500 level <laughs> in some cases. Um, so we have Dr. Hirsch on. And oh yeah, Jess, maybe in case nobody heard the other episode, we should say who she is. <laughs> so Dr. Hirsch Ranella is the past president 
of the American Society of Cosmetic Dermatology and Aesthetic Surgery, and she is recognized as the youngest person to hold elected leadership of a major dermatological dermatology society. She's also the co-founder of Atola, and maybe you've heard us mention Atola. It's an innovative skincare brand which utilizes AI. AI people. Artificial intelligence. <laughs> Whenever I think of AI, I think of like that movie. The movie. That I movie. know, yeah. me too. Yeah, to develop personalized skincare. And also, you if you don't already follow her, check her out her Instagram. It's at MD. She also has a very lovely voice. Um, oh, so you might want to follow her because she's just um, she's just such a soothing presence on the, um, the chaotic interwebs. Um, and yeah, if you're into skincare... She is an essential follow. Essential. Oh, I, I love what, actually, since our last episode, I love what she's been doing on Instagram, like breaking things down for people. And she's funny too. She's funny. Yeah. She makes, she, she cracks little jokes. I think she has a second career as like a, you know, a comedian, kind of like, like, like one of the great female comedians. <laughs> You know what I mean? (laughs) She really, I don't know. She's just, she has this really kind of wholesome, like jokey sense of humor that I I don't know. But the skincare world needs, honestly. There's so much hyperbole. She's going to just like, let me tell you like it is. Yeah, follow her and you'll know what I mean. She's got great little jokes. She's got great little, little isms and jokes. So anyway, um, Renella, take it away. Okay, Renella. So I, I, I always like feel like I want to say Dr. Hirsch out of respect, but should we default to Renella or do you want Dr. Hirsch for this episode? I think that is most appropriate, Renella. Oh, I think, I think it is most appropriate, Dr. Hirsch <laughs> yes. to you. Okay, well, feel free to change it anytime because I feel like I always want it. Okay. <laughs> okay, in that so. case, let's go to Sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, let's, let's get into it. I need to talk about clinically tested because I think clinically tested, that term, I think I can trust this brand. Right. And, you know, the reason the brands use it is because it makes you think you can really feel good about it. So a lot of times what has happened is there are terms that are kind of infused with a certain meaning and we kind of play on that when we use them in scenarios like this. So typically, clinically tested historically has always kind of spoken more about things in the drug realm, things that were, you know, held up for vetting. So quick reminder, we have a system here in the United States, there's classification as a drug, there's classification as a cosmetic. One is altering and changing the function of the skin. One Mm -hmm. is altering or changing the appearance of the skin. I'm greatly Mm -hmm. simplifying, but that's really the crux of it. And When we talk about clinically tested, sometimes they'll say clinically proven. That typically had always been a term that had been aligned with that drug kind of testing. And there you would expect to see extensive clinical testing on many human subjects who resemble the ultimate target users of that drug. There's extended kind of review of that testing by other recognized experts in the field. So there's kind of a whole process for what that means in terms of a drug, and it has to stand up to that. Not so in a cosmetic. In a cosmetic, it could mean effectively it was tested on one person, it was tested on 30 people, it was applied to whatever. And part of the challenge there too is that from the marketing angle, research is a very kind of big word. Research can mean, you know, I took 10 people and asked them, well, what did you think of this? And obviously that's a very different sort of metric than did this actually change from X percent to Y percent. Other things, we typically have certain numbers that we like to see in terms of how large a study would be to count as kind of standing up to the rigmarole of looking at it from a data perspective. If you do a study for most things on five people, you know, hmm, if you take a study that was done in a lab, in a Petri dish, does that really apply to your hair or my nose? Not so much. So it's one of those terms that more than even many others, which kind of are kind of wonderfully amorphous is the euphemism I'll use. Here, it's really playing on what you perceive clinically proven to be and your mind making the connection without them actually kind of saying it. Does that make sense? It does. 
Yeah. Have you seen with the skincare brands that you're always looking at, because I'm sure your patients are coming to you with them. Have you seen that the good ones then link to these clinical tests so you could see how many subjects, like, should we expect that from a brand or is that like, like, that's not the norm. They're not going to show you that. So I have done a bunch of looking for various things. Sometimes um, in the other hat, say the Jessica, where she might ask me to review something or look at something. And more often than not, it's not something that's immediately forthcoming. You're more likely to go to a company or kind of dive deep a little bit on the website. One of the major challenges with that kind of a position, though, is that a lot of those studies are manufacturer studies. So they're Mm -hmm. done with their own kind of parameters. And typically, many will not share those because they, you know, have them under the auspices of things that we don't share for, you know, trade secrets. The other part of that is that generally speaking, there are certainly some exceptions. Those aren't generally considered as good in quality as you would, which is why you'll hear people who are as as a drug clinical study, these manufacturer type studies. Okay. Not so much the drug studies. Typically, um, you'll see them for things like supplements. You might see them for skincare, sometimes okay. for drugs. But there's a there's a, a very clear kind of weighting system that if you stopped a researcher on the street and said, tell me how you kind of count data, it starts with kind of, you know, small studies, animal studies, things like that. And then, um, you know, maybe on tissue, but not on you know, actual human people, then it kind of goes to small groups of people, the kinds of things you test for. I mean, with real drug studies, there are so many elements that count. I mean, even something is, well, it's hardly straightforward, but even something is seemingly straightforward is just interpreting the data. You can screw that up 764 different ways. And I'm sure a statistician would say I'm underestimating. So it really is just difficult for the average person to kind of come along and and get there, which is why that language, it's supposed to check a box in your head. Yeah, like even if you feel like it's it's not it's not saying much at all. What about the term dermatologist tested? We see that a lot on skincare labels. What does that mean? Well, um, let's play a game. Um, <laughs> ask me a question, ladies. Uh- <laughs> You're a dermatologist. Uh, Ronella, do you like this skincare product that I sent you? <laughs> I do. Jennifer, congratulations. We've just tested and I've approved of the product. I don't know what it is. Now, I'm obviously making a joke, but the reality is it's a very, you're going to hear me use the word amorphous a lot. I mean, there's a few words in the thesaurus that kind of all mean the same thing. Shapeless, without boundaries, you know, that kind of That's kind of what we're talking about. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't legitimate things that are put out there. The problem is, you know, picking between, what's that expression, the wheat and the chaff, finding kind Mm -hmm. of the really good stuff. Oh, you know, what's the better euphemism? Diamond in the rough. You have to kind of go looking Mm -hmm. for it a little bit. The tricky part is you have to know what you're looking for. And the great majority of people do not. Most people, when you say, oh, they said this dermatologist said it or this doctor said it, this is something rife on social media, for God's sake, where someone will send you, you know, forgive me, ladies, a podcast to prove something or, you know, a YouTube video that some, you know, veterinarian declared this is going to do things for your eyelashes. But, you know, people hear doctor and, you know, hey, oh, your doctorate is in Renaissance history. Thank you. What do you think of this lip plumper? You know, it could be very broad. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you then. Are the dermat- are dermatologists as a doctor, you know, you sign an oath. Are you allowed to get paid by a company for saying, I like that cream? So there are different rules for everything. The, the short answer is there are, um, I think, agreements that people have. Um, the major thing that is really ethically regulated and, in fact, regulated is disclosure. Because basically the, the current okay. take is this. You can say whatever you want. You can have a financial interest or you don't. At the end of the day, what it really is, is providing the person who's on the receiving end of that information with the tools to make a decision. Are you someone I trust? Are you not someone I trust? And part of that information is knowing, hey, this person got paid to say that, and then you can infer what you are. There are certainly many spokespeople who are paid that people put tremendous faith in. The entire community of, I was going to even say that, well, I mean, that's also a different argument too, right? Because I mean- I personally don't do sponsored stuff and I have no judgment on it. I'm not, it's, I I think whatever people do is cool. Um, It's just where I'm always, you know, I hear it on both sides because professionals will come back and say, well, wait a minute, I'm recommending something that I recommend that I like anyway. 
if this person who is a skin enthusiast recommends it, they're paid. Why shouldn't I be paid? On the converse, a skin influencer or a skin enthusiast who sells a product because of their endorsement does get paid. I think the major thing that really has to be honest is the disclosure, because when people have information, then they can make an intelligent decision. I know for me, the part where I get uncomfortable is where I'm looking at something and it sort of feels like an ad and it kind of seems like an ad, but doesn't really say anywhere ad. I think my favorite person on this now um, is Carolyn Hirons, who just said that. She actually came out and said, you know, why is it so difficult? And now has a screen come before and it says ad and then runs two or three. And I just think that there needs to be a better standard of that because sometimes brands will use cute language. I'm a partner. I'm a, you know, a compatriot. <laughs> I'm a, you know, I don't know what that means. But friend at the of end the of brand. The, I'm a yeah. Friend. <laughs> well, they often like alignment of letters. So it's like, you know, if it begins with an A, I'm, a, I'm an A associate. I'm a, you know, I'm an Alabama associate. I'm a, you know, a B, whatever. Yeah. So I think they get cute with that. But I think the, the end of the day issue is you have to put your own credibility on the line. You have to feel that what you're putting out there reflects and represents you. We're also in a different era. I have to be honest with you. I am not as antiquated as I like to present myself all the time, but I'm old enough to have been through a generation of this stuff. And I'll tell you, for a lot of people who are older than me, who are a little bit kind of in the more academic space, it's still considered quite distasteful to do sponsorships. It's very much frowned upon. Whereas if you went and asked a young millennial, sort of what would you call them, a senior senior Gen X, you know, derm, they would think you're insane to even question it. Like that's the standard. So you also have to kind of look at it and say, well, times probably have changed. I live with myself. I know what I'm comfortable with. Not for me at this point in my life. I'm I'm there, not a judgment. I think there are great people who give great information and should they get paid for it? That's fine. As long as they disclose, I'm comfortable. This is like an honest question. Is it because it's- No, please lie to me. <laughs> no, I like I just mean like I'm not trying to be like funny or cute. Is it because younger doctors, like obviously a lot of the younger doctors are doing these, is it because it's harder for them to make money now and the older doctors are like not, not across the board obviously they're not, you know, all flushed with cash, but is it just like, oh, we've got to find any way to make money now? I think there's different pieces of it, right? So certainly no one would accuse academic people, meaning the people who work in medical centers and spend a lot of their times doing research as secretly harboring billions of dollars in the basement. That's generally historically a trade-off where if you're an academic person, you get the prestige without necessarily the financial benefits, shall we say. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think it's a lot of things, right? I think certainly when you're talking about people who come out of training in dermatology who have devoted, let's call it their 20s to plus, their 20s plus because it's 12, 13 years, is it unreasonable for someone who's 33 years old, maybe wants to buy a house, maybe wants to start a family to do something and to spend their time and then not have some level of what have you for it? I mean, I think it's always a judgment, right? It's a currency, The amount of faith people have in you, the amount of trust people have in you, that's a currency. That's what it is. And ultimately, you have to be the decision maker. I am often struck by things professionals in different areas say. Often. I'm often struck by things that people say, and I'm surprised by it. um, Because to me, again, it's just sort of like, ah, But then again, I don't know that I would have ever thought I would have been in a profession where the majority of people are dancing on the computer in order to yeah. make their messages get across. No judgment if that's what you they want to do. Dance for your dinner, them. Ranella. You got to dance for I, I will not dinner. be dancing for the safety of myself and or others. <laughs> TikTok derm, <laughs> So I am not on TikTok, largely because of the dancing. Yeah. So dermatologists tested the, the term that we just said. Basically, it means they could call up one friend who's a derm and say they like it. It doesn't have a lot of meaning. What about non-comedogenic? This one's been used since like way back in the 90s on labeling. What does it mean? Does it mean anything? So I would even go back further than that. I was going to tell you the story a little bit of just the history of non-comedogenic. Why does Please that even do. exist? So it actually was in direct response. We're going back, you're saying the 90s, and boy, are we dating ourselves. Um, But it actually goes back further. It goes back to even probably closer to the 70s. And there was an entity that was going around called Acne Cosmetica. And what does that mean in English? Well, it kind of means what it sounds like. It means acne that was coming as a result of cosmetics. 
And what it was, was back in the day when they were formulating this stuff initially before a lot of the technology and things we have now, you'd be putting some of these things on your face. And a lot of it would cause people to break out. It actually was comedogenic. Color cosmetics you're talking about. Skincare, color cosmetics. Also moisturizers, okay. The full Monty. I mean, the the number of ways that historic preparations have destroyed our skin is not unimpressive. I mean, if you go back in the historical sort of annals, you can see like adverts for like, oh, this is wonderful. This is heroin that will help you with your this. Or, you know, back in the 1920s, they thought heroin was like the wonder drug of all time. Heroin was the Botox of the 1920s, you know, God help us. So before that, even in like the 1890s. But so what happened was they wanted to develop a standard by which they could assess comedogenicity, comedo just being that word that means the earliest form of an acne pimple, comedo singular, comedone plural. And what they did was they developed a set of these scales where they would actually assess just how likely something would be to cause comedones. And some of the original studies, which actually are probably still some of the most sensitive, we would of course not do them anymore, is they would actually take rabbit ears because they are highly, highly sensitive, much more so than humans. So if you have something that's lightly comedogenic on a rabbit ear, it probably would not do anything to humans. The problem is everybody kind of did it their own way. Some people counted pimples. Some people gave it a grade. Some people, there was no consistent standard and you really can't compare things that are graded in a different way. And so you would get a comedogenicity score. Another big problem with kind of, Comedogenicity as a concept is a lot of these things were tested at the ingredient level. And it's, you know, an ingredient does not a formula make, is the famous saying, right? You know, the fact that something individually is a comedogenic ingredient does not tell you anything about when you put it in a formula. It doesn't tell you because, thank God for cosmetic formulators, for cosmetic chemists who know how to adjust concentrations, who know how to put in other... I don't know, this is not my specialty, but this is what you do where you know how to mix and match exactly and come up with something that is greater than the sum of its parts. So the problem is that you have something that often is talking about an ingredient. And in fact, we're really talking about, I mean, people will say, oh, shea butter is gonna make me break out. Oh, coconut oil is gonna make me break out. Well, you have to qualify that, right? Is it, you know, the stuff out of the jar? Refined, is it stuff? yeah. Precisely. So, I mean, that's not un. un it's not different even in some ways than what you hear people talk about with, you know, the trend of slugging as, you know, yes. I mean, I have understood slugging as I understand it is a thin, tiny coat of petrolatum. People, you know, the questions I get are like, oh, I don't know, it ruined my sheets. If it ruined your sheets, it's gonna plug your pores. That's yeah. too much. There is an amount where I can plug anybody. Yeah, and I could take any formula probably and if I put it on enough of it, it would turn comedogenic. Likely. Like I mean, the FDA doesn't. Layer. Yeah, the FDA doesn't regulate this, um, the, um, this term. the term at all. So it really, but you know, look, I, I think, you know, it, there's another term like hypoallergenic. It's not a regulated term. But what I'll often say to patients is, you know, better than not, because generally on the onus of the manufacturer, let's put it that way, if you're a big beauty brand and you're putting out a new cream and you write non comedogenic, and you haven't taken the time to actually check that it's not going to break out the large majority of people, well, then you're a moron as a, an entity. Because the reality is, you know, that's how you make money. You sell stuff. And if people buy it once and then hate it, that's probably not good for business. So realistically, I tend to put terms like non-comedogenic, hypoallergenic into the global context of what else it is. I actually, believe it or not, probably would even put a little more weight on that than I would with something that's become very overwrought, I find lately coming, speaking of the, of the kind of the TikTok and the, the YouTube, YouTube kind of presentations, which are very much this like, let's look at every ingredient and decide what the final product will then do, which is a terrible way. And, and frankly, an absolutely wrong way to, to assess any product. It's just not an accurate reflection, a single ingredient, two ingredients. And that became very in vogue for a while, this idea that we'll just look at the inky list and decide if it's good or not. And that has no real reflection to what it's going to do on your skin and what have you. It's impossible for someone to do that. I think so. I think so. Good luck arguing that with some of the folks who really believe in it. 
Thankfully, it seems to be dying out a little bit as a thing, but there are plenty of people, if you go online and look, who still will like read an inclination and say, oh, this is going to be awful. And I would argue that's insane. You have to try. You have to see what it is. You have to understand that, again, we'll say it again, an ingredient is not a formula make. A formula is a formula. It's like tasting. I'm going to make up a Ranella analogy, which is if you walk into the kitchen and you look at the mise en place for the dish someone's going to make and you <laughs> taste one of them. And you taste one of them, you cannot know what the final dish is going to be. I just made that up, but I will be using that again. That's actually a good that is a, That's actually yeah, a good because you, if you put like baking soda with an vinegar in your cake, they turn into something completely different. And the same can happen in a cosmetic formula. Right. If you don't want your kid to dip their finger into the cookies with the raw eggs, let them taste like a little oh. bit of flour and they'll move along very quickly. Yeah, that's a good way to <laughs> move along very quickly. Maybe I don't give parenting tips so much. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's talk about, you know, we're talking about all these like, you know, pretend scientists, people who fancy themselves scientists. What, one term I'm seeing a lot more now is science-based. I'm getting a lot of pitches for science-based skincare lines, science-backed skincare lines. Where where could this be coming from? I, I'm that part of the anatomy I'm sitting on right now, so I don't know that we could um, <laughs> actually get there. No, this is a marketing term. I mean, realistically, no one brand has the, you know, whole apparatus of science down. Ultimately, no matter what you want to talk about in terms of skincare, it's all science. I mean, these are all understanding ingredients, chemistry, how they work together, how they work with the human body. So, I mean, it's this, I would say, is just a heavy duty kind of marketing thing. But even understand why it happened, right? Like, think about it, even what we're talking about, even the stuff where we're kind of naysaying, like looking at the ingredients, it's because, well, let's put you two right at the forefront of it, right? We now have accessible to the consumer so much more knowledge, so much more information. So we're even if, you know, you look back 15, 20 years, you would read, you know, a magazine with a wonderful beauty editor and you'd get your information that way. You might talk to a friend, you might go to a, you know, a Chanel counter or whatever. Now it's so democratized. It's so different because you have you know, doctors on TV talking, you have doctors online, you have dancing doctors, you have chemists online, you have, you know, really expert estheticians, you have this huge community of people. And in response to that, you have people who want to know more, who are actively, you know, trying to get more and more information on the topic. Now, I will say some of it not so helpful. It's actually often I find that people are going so deep into wanting to understand something that they really it's almost overwhelming. I mean, there's a reason yeah. that becoming a dermatologist is 13 years. I didn't just do it from Friday to Saturday. You know, it took a while to get there. And there's a reason for that. And the reality, the, the hardest part I find as it relates to the kind of the, the, the people trying to nuance is a, is a lost thing. I get a lot of questions that people ask me and, you know, often, very often in one way or another, it's, you know, yes or no. Is this yes? Is this right or wrong? And the problem is very few things in the world, certainly in aesthetics and cosmetics and skincare, are yes or no. For everything, there's some gray, some this, some yes, some no. And, and, and people don't love that. But the short answer of it is, is because the, the market has asked for it, companies have responded now. I don't want to completely throw it out there. I absolutely think there is some incredible scientific things that are happening in the space. So I, I have a brand that was built out of MIT, artificial intelligence technology. We are working with patents and technology and some of the smartest people in the world to build a better mousetrap of skincare. So I would argue, yeah, there's plenty of science in skincare. It's out there. I'm not the only one. There's lots of innovative, great stuff going on. However, the science-backed press release, I, you know, I, I respectfully take issue with. I think it's Really, no one brand kind of has the circle of science owned by them. You know, it's a yeah. shared pool. It makes me think of like, remember when you're in elementary school and you had science class at yes. a certain level? No, it's not just, it's so general. It's like you take chemistry, you take biology for your company. You're doing like genetic research. You know what I mean? Like you can't just say science. I, I kind of, I, I, it was funny because I was I see it, I'm like, okay, like fact-based skincare. Like, I don't know, just, it's yeah. so general, but 
I don't know. I, I kind of admire them for like taking a shot at it. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. Science-based as opposed to like, I, I don't know what the alternative is. That's Philosophy-based skincare. Should I start it? Like, that's a science too though, technically. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It was just kind of like, astringent. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wasn't really like mad at it. I was just like, all right, like, yeah, sure. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset, so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area, so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X, and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less. They're $39.90. But the quality is excellent, and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Okay, everyone, I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's Joanna good. Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. 
that's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lattes in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just <laughs> going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. Let's go to another one. This is another one. Ready? Medical grade. That mm. kind of scares me because I'm picturing like a scalpel. Medical grade. Oh, I didn't even think of a scalpel. No, oh, no. Yeah, I think of like Oh, cutting. yeah, because sometimes it's used with devices, lots of this devices. Yeah. I gotcha. So, okay. So let's start by just saying that from a regulatory point of view, this doesn't exist at all. This is just one of those things that kind of lives in a world of its own. This one, more than even the ones you've asked so far, there's also some reasons for confusion. So let me kind of give you the story on this. So there are different words that are thrown around for different things. Let's kind of throw a few of them out just so we can cover them completely. Um, you know, clinical grade, medical grade, um, professional grade. These words get kind of thrown around. Medical grade is probably the biggest single one. First, let's throw out professional grade. Professional grade so all of these have no FDA-defined meaning. Let's be clear. None of these actually mean anything. I'm now going to tell you, though, what the general gestalt perception is sort of supposed to be. So professional, totally, to someone like me, has nothing to do with this. It has to do with stuff that, like, for example, a chemical peel, where you can buy a certain thing at home, but then if you have an esthetician working, she can get or he can get a higher level percentage. And if you're in my office, you can get even a higher level percentage. So like professional just, acid per se. Right. Because you probably wouldn't, okay. eBay notwithstanding, you probably wouldn't want to have, you know, high level peels that could really burn or injure someone. So that when people say professional to someone like me, again, not a defined term, but if I said it to a colleague, that's what the inference would usually be. Mm -hmm. Where it usually gets cute is medical grade as it refers to skincare. <laughs> And some of it is, to be really honest, a bit disingenuous, and I will tell you why. There is this idea that, you know, there are cosmetics, there are drugs. Now, here in the United States, a little bit different globally, but here in the United States, um, there's actually something called an over-the-counter drug. So, for example, when you look at salicylic acid or SPF, or you look even um, at petrol, you'll, you'll see a, you know, a drug facts label on it. These things don't require a prescription from someone like me, but they are regulated like drugs. They actually showed the kind of, when we talked earlier about testing and more rigorous, that's what they, that's what they, so that's it. The, the FDA doesn't really do anything deeper than that. It's drug, it's cosmetic. Now, medical grade is something that was used to sort of suggest, well, you know, um, this is something it may be a higher level than what you can buy over the counter in the drugstore. It has to do with kind of, well, you know, maybe it's a higher percent of this active or this active that we only put in this. Realistically, to someone like me, what it has the most to do with is where it's sold and that it's something you typically find in medical offices, medical spas, where you're having procedural things done, where it isn't in a drugstore environment. And the implication and the cost affiliated with that implication, which kind of nobody really discouraged was, well, we have better research and better clinical testing. We have better ingredients. Our actives are at a higher percent. Some were even as bold as to say it works even deeper in the skin. And that's a total fiction because that becomes a drug. So that one is just nonsense to begin with. But the whole idea is this implication that this whole group of things. Now, let's be fair. There are brands that very much fall into that category, not because they're classified that way. That's nonsense. No such thing. 
But a brand, for example, like let's call it SkinCeuticals and the, the $166 cream, that triple lipid has real research behind it. It's a legit, you know, it's a legit thing. And there's marketing to it that has something to do differently than a $13 version that you buy. So it's also why, I mean, we've talked before, it's why I don't particularly agree at all with the concept of dupes. Mm, dupes. Dupes are yeah. a stupid, stupid idea. I mean, it just is not an accurate thing. I can take something, couture off the runway, and make it in a factory and sell it to you for $14. Okay, it's a dupe. No, it's a, it's a, it's a dupe stoop. It's somebody who's being duped to me. I mean, because I think it's so silly. But the idea is that there's this suggestion that it's regulated in a different way, and it is not. It is a marketing term wholly. And what you need to understand is that, unfortunately, there is a subset of folks who perpetuate this. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, if you are selling in this sort of, you know, specific environment, you want to give some evidence or some reason that it's worth more. Right. Now, what also like if it's me, only I'm just so people are clear, like it's only sold by your nurse injector or by at a spa or a salon or at your doctor's office kind of thing. So I would have said yes to that a couple of years except ago, for, except yeah. the reality is now you find those kinds of brands on QVC. You find them online. Online yeah. has been probably the single biggest change of that whole thing because you can go to some of these wholesalers. Yeah. I wouldn't even say wholesalers, but the companies that, you know, sell, I, I, I mean, there's so many of them and I, I don't want to plug one versus the other, but you know, where you can go online and you can buy these brands unrelated to seeing a doc, unrelated to anything. It's just, so I'm not even sure that whole thing at a big company where you have kind of different tiered brands, that's what it's more about. It's a marketing phenomenon. And I kind of want to give respect because there are some brands and some even less than brands. I'm not a brand person, but there are certain products that I think are really good where I'll tell you if you can spend the money you want to, it's great. Do you need to? No, you can find great stuff at every price point. That's true. But I think this idea that continues to be perpetuated by the folks in a lot of those environments is not super helpful because it really is just trying to convince you that there's this thing and you will get into outright fights with people. You will, I mean, I've, I've said it a couple of times on Instagram and, you know, people vehemently come at me and say that you're wrong and you're not Wait, true. What did you say? Medical grade is not a thing. Medical grade is not a thing. Medical and grade is not a thing. And then? Other doctors or people who work at uh, like- The people, I mean, I think a, a decent number, well, uh, certainly some folks within- um, you know, estheticians to a certain extent, some are absolutely not in agreement. And again, I don't want to say that estheticians are hard and fast wrong. A lot of these products are better, but they're better because they're better. It's not because of not this because artificial medical grade. medical grade nonsense. That's Got what it. makes me crazy. I wish they would just, instead of saying, oh, it's medical grade and it can go deeper in the skin and it's got this better quality of ingredients. Okay. But what you would be better off doing is taking, in many cases, the clinical studies they have that are actually, a lot of them really good, and just standing by the product because the products speak for themselves. I don't need yeah. to be told, I'm, I'm hanging on triple lipid again, I don't need to be told triple lipid is medical grade to tell you it's a good product. And there's a number of brands and a number of products that fall under that auspice. And I think it's a disservice to do it almost this way when it is so clearly a marketing thing. And yeah. as I say, people are really, people are very dug in in this area. Yeah, well, you brought up something that brings us to our next term, which is you said deeper in the skin. And that is really confusing for a lot of people. And a term we see a lot in bottles is, quote, cellular level, which sort of plays into that world. So I'm curious, what does cellular level mean at, when you see it on a bottle, and when you say deeper into the skin with certain percentage of ingredients, what do you mean? Or am I asking two separate questions? Sorry. Let's go. No, that's that's very good. So let's let's go here. So um, cellular level is like science based. It has no defined meaning. I will tell you what I think it means when I see it, um, and what I think a lot of people infer from it. At a cellular level, is one of those things that just is. Yeah, let's use the word silly, because everything's at a cellular level, ultimately, right? We're just a collection of cells. 
So the idea that somehow something is just, you know, independently not cells, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just stupid. So there's that. But what I think of, the word I see cellular a lot on press releases and on things for me is stem cells. That's where I see it all the time. And to me, that's what it kind of invokes because there's so much of a marketing push and so, so much in the marketplace on the realm of stem cells and this idea of regeneration. And, you know, if you start going down the pathway of the three, four, five, six hundred dollar products, you know, 80 percent of them in some way are dabbling in the the family here, the growth factors, the stem cells, the whatever it is. Um, so it's a different question as like, could stem cells work? I mean, I certainly have an opinion on that, but it's a different to me, that's what I think when I see cellular level, I think that's what they're going for. I tend to see it on very fancy brands. And that's why, to me, those two things are there. But what if it's not like a fancy brand? Like, I've definitely seen it throughout my whole career. It's like, this goes to the cellular level. Like, is it like, if I put something on my skin, as you said, like, it's just, I have cells right here. Like, I'm probably brushing some off right now, some de- some dead ones. So whether you find something that's a Purell or a Nivea that you find on the shelf of a drugstore and you spend $6 on it, or you spend the previously mentioned, you know, $166 cream, at the end of the day, it's the same final outcome. It's going to go and be taken up by those cells in your epidermis. Even when we talk about stuff like, you know, retinol, what is a retinol doing, right? It's revving up. We've always talked about this, the epidermis. Well, what does that mean? It means... I have a handy skin structure here that's not going to be a value because this is a podcast. But it just means that we're taking the cells and we're kind of accelerating that path of how they kind of turn over. Mm -hmm. And that's in turn what gives us better skin. So that's all cellular. I mean, you know, organs are just many cells. So the idea that, you know, our liver is cellular. But I mean, so then maybe we do it differently because I've always taken it to mean stem cells. At least in the way I've read it. Well, I think what the the bottom line okay. is it's it, it because it's so broad and 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 doesn't really mean anything anymore. It, there's no way for you to know what they're saying. Whether they're saying the mitochondria are, are of the inside the cell are already doing like a better thing, and that way your skin looks better, or they're just saying we loaded up a bunch of water between your cells. It's all cellular, right? It's amorphous. It's amorphous. <laughs> I would like the mitochondria people to be forced to testify in a small room because that's a reach. <laughs> I was just giving like a, you know, we've seen this from brands. They like to talk about, because it seems like, oh, it's not just working on my cells. It's working inside each individual cell. That's, I feel like what they're trying to get at. So it doesn't Sure, but it's, it's, it's. You know, the mere fact that we have interpretations of what it could mean is not that, a good that's sign. Exactly. Here's three people who know a lot about skincare being like, maybe it means this, maybe it's that. All right. Either way. So it I'm going to change my tune because, as I say, I've always assumed it was stem cells. I've always, when people ask me about it, now you know what some some of our listeners might think and what we mm. thought it meant, but none of it. Yeah, is, I think you were like true. 400 leveling it. Like I'm still at like. Let's get back to the basics. I have one more term here um, that we see a ton. pH balanced. Does that mean something, Ranella? Okay. So should we assume everybody knows what pH is? Should we define what that is? It's the scale define you learned in high school. Let's just, yeah, let's right. do it. So I remember just, doing it on my desk. Yeah, it's just, it's called potential hydrogen. It just is a, a, a logarithmic scale by which we calculate things that are acid that we know to be acidic, things like, you know, lemon juice versus something that's basic, which is something like ammonia. Um, seven is neutral. It goes from zero to 14. The more you get close to zero, the more acidic the more you get close to 14, the more basic. So it's like acid and base, the stuff we learned in, and then quickly forgot Mm -hmm. of high school chemistry. So this emanates from the fact that we know that for the skin to do its job, its very major job in life is to act as a barrier. And one of the main tools that the skin has to act as a barrier is something called the acid mantle. And what that means is that on that scale, the skin likes to live in a pretty small window, kind of in the high fours to... High fives. I'm giving you a broader range than probably realistic, but um, the truth of the matter is that's important. Why? Because your skin wants to be very hospitable to certain nice things and very inhospitable to certain others. The bacteria, the microbes, the nasty stuff. You don't want to let that in. 
They do not like acidic environments at all. So keeping it at that level allows for the skin to maintain kind of that functionality. So what does that mean? For a while back in the day, you know, we were using soap, which were heavily alkaline, these products as cleansers. And so what used to be the most commenting marking, you know, the most common, oh, my face feels so squeaky clean. Squeaky clean to a dermatologist is like chest pain inducing. It means that you have stripped <laughs> all of the oil from your skin. It means that you are like totally dry and tight. That's what squeaking oh. is. And we're squeaking basic. Now we're like, basic probably, yeah, right? Well, sque- yeah, that's what alcohol, you know, the basic cleansers that we were using, those kind of soap products, which is why now we use more of the things that are a little more sophisticated, cleansers and things that are not involving that. But what happened was, as a response to that, there were some products that were released. This is you know, not so much now as a few years ago, where products were then being released with different pH levels, especially things like cleansers. pH is always relevant, of course, when we're talking about products that have acids in them, right? So if you're talking about acids or even something like a vitamin C that has certain conditions and certain pH levels, that so that's a different question. But in terms of cleanser and sort of basic skincare, there was this almost response to what we had, which was over putting something alkaline basic on the face in terms of cleansing to restore it. The thing now is though, pretty much most products are sold that are meant to be at skin pH, at skin pH. You kind of now don't really get a gold star for doing that anymore. I mean, people act as if it's a major thing. It certainly can be valuable if you're collecting it longitudinally and you want to sort of see kind of what it does in the skin as a reflecting of something else. But this idea that you absolutely, now there are people who I'm thinking of one very lovely woman who has the most incredible detailed spreadsheet on her, on her Instagram profile of maybe I'm going to say five, 600 products that she has tested the pH of everyone. She's a very smart lady. She will come and I think, well, she's too nice to hurt you, but she'll come and slap you if you say the pH doesn't matter. She and many people believe that pH is this very dominant feature. I have to be honest, if you're someone who falls into the category of having a condition where maybe you are tending to off balance, eczema, dryness, um, you know, if you're someone who went a little too hog happy with acids for a couple of weeks and you're trying to repair it, sunburned, I think that matters more. We really have to remember that the skin Like everything we say about the skin, she just wants us to leave her alone. She is so good at finding her way back to her correct pH. So unless you really, really try, if you throw a product that is slightly basic on the skin, takes about an hour and she's right back to baseline without our help. Yeah. You said you called it on our last episode with you a a self-functioning factory or like a some kind of like basically like an or, like an organism that like kind of works on its own. I don't know. But it was it was just like we did an audiogram of it. It was perfect. But basically like we we throw all of these products on it and it's like <laughs> Now that's not to say there is this smaller kind of slightly out there school of thought about, you know, well, we should do nothing to skin, you know, moisturizer. My personal favorite stupid is moisturizer makes your skin lazy. Oh yeah, I heard that. Okay, I don't know what that means. Does that, I mean, yes, it's true. Sitting makes my ass get bigger, but that's not really the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's like saying, you know, if you don't, uh, yeah, I don't even have an analogy because it's just so stupid. So, I mean, this idea that using proper products on your skin somehow anthropomorphizes skin. So now skin is its own independent, standalone thing without the brain and the rest attached. I mean, where is all this coming from? I don't know. I'm always fascinated how, when we talk about skin, we either refer, and I always, for some reason, use the female gender. I have no idea why. Um, But we always refer to her as either being so brilliant and being able to go to stem cells that, I'm doing stem cells, I'm sorry, but that have nothing to do with us, like plant cells, which are speaking, you know, Mandarin and asking, you know, why don't you speak to me in, you know, Russian? You're two completely different languages. So she's so brilliant, she can do that. But on the other hand, skin is so stupid that if we somehow, you know, put moisturizer on, she just forgets her function and needs, you know, a rest week. So I'm always fascinated how like skin somehow has been 
you know, anthropomorphized into either this genius of technology that is the greatest thing ever or just the ultimate moron, <laughs> depending on what story you're telling. So I always find that yeah. really fascinating. Renella, we've got one last one. Ready? Preservative free. People act okay. like this is a great thing. And I have to tell you, I get the heebie-jeebies when I hear this. You, that would, in fact, be the correct medical response. That would be exactly what you want your body to do. When you see the term preservative-free, you should basically run. Run far, run fast, run free. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Get the hell out of Dodge. I have no further statements. It's basically this. I made a joke on Instagram once about, um, because preservatives, they, they, this is the famed, you know, paraben nasties, da 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 all this nonsense. And I said, do you know what we call things that are not preserved? Perishable. I mean, that's the whole point, right? If you get groceries and you buy milk, you don't just leave it sitting around for three weeks. You know, things are perishable. And that's kind of the whole point. Skincare is not some sterile entity, especially, you know, it depends, of course, on the formula. But think about it, right? Formulators are putting in, you know, actives. There's water in there. It's kind of at a nice, like, pH and it's kind of luscious. It's like microbe spa heaven. They go in there, they take a chill. They make babies. Wait, I do have to say, if it's a pure oil and there is no aqueous anything, no water, you might not need a preservative, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I do take some objection to that because there are people who play a little bit with that, where you'll often find, for example, people who are in the natural space, and my thoughts there, I think, are pretty on record, um, where they will use other products as preservatives but that right. aren't necessarily preservatives officially. Do you know what I mean? In other words, you're mm-hmm. using it in a different capacity. Yeah, so it could be a plant, a plant oil, like a lavender might have an astringent property. What I find is tasteful there is, you know, you're, you're, you're fear-mongering this idea that preservatives are terrible while preserving. With a, with, with a natural preservative, yeah. Right. I will point out the altudo irony here, which is that if you really wanted to create a mold, you know, spa where she'll never leave, What you want to do is, in addition to the water and all the other good stuff you put in there, put in some natural extracts. So now, not only are you giving her a nice little home and bedding, you're giving her, like, a really deluxe seven-course lunch. Introduced, Mm. yeah, yeah. Cozy, cozy. That's just the most insane thing. And again, this isn't to let off the hook the simple fact that there are other things that are part and parcel of keeping products in good stead, right? Good manufacturing practice. If you walk down, when I go to the lab, when I go to the factories that are making our stuff, there's always, it's a regular thing. There's all kinds of quality control. They're wearing certain clothes to keep it. They're testing the products. They're testing the machines. This is just, again, you don't get, (laughs) you don't get patted on the head for just doing the right thing. That's kind of a normal standard thing, but it's really terrible how people think that you you know, somehow magically don't do that. By the way, part of that falls on the consumer too, right? I mean, um, it's interesting because we we talk a lot about, you know, getting the product. Da, da, da. There's a lot of times where people just aren't doing smart things with their products, right? If you take your nasty, dirty fingers and you sh- in a thing, in an open jar, you know, yeah. good luck. Nasty well, this is why the marketing, a lot, a lot of places like to market their vacuum sealed in a, you know, very non-bacteria environment and it's in a vacuum pack. So they're like, well, like air airless packaging. In. You're talking about yeah, airless, airless packaging. It's a marketing. Oh, I think, I think it's a marketing. Good one. I, think a good one. I think it's a good kind of, I don't know that I necessarily disagree with it. No, but they're using it to tell you like, this is even safer. But if you're opening up your jar and sticking your fingers in, clearly you want preservatives in there. People do a lot of stupid things. I mean, I'm always seeing somebody always, there are skin influencers galore who love to give you this tip of, don't lose that last bit, ladies, of your product. Take a scissor and cut it open and oh God, scoop it out that. for the last few days. Who came up with this bit of genius? I mean, like, you know, the, the product as it Wait, is- why shouldn't we do that? Why shouldn't we do that? Because that's not the way your preservative is designed to work. Your preservative is designed, it's not a preservative where you take a product and you put it in. Preservation in, again, I'm not a cosmetic chemist, but preservation is is a process. It's all these multiple steps. It's Wait, if I snip right open a tube and scoop out the last little bit, I wasn't supposed to get That's that That's fine. I'm talking about now leaving that tube for the next five days in your human bathroom. Oh, oh okay, okay, I see. Right? 
Oh, 100%. No, I'm cheap as can be. 100% get the last bit out. But I'm talking about the people who then, you know, show you a picture of their, God help us, shelfie. And there's three products on the side where there's still more. And, you know, it's sitting and there. And they were in an airless in their uh, packaging and now they're not. Okay, right, I get because it. it. You've got yeah. to gotta clarify because. I'm sorry, but that's what preserve. No one in a vacuum talks about. You know, that's the thing. If you ask a chemist, if you ask someone, they're going to tell you, you know, we argue about preservatives as if it's this like entity. You know, they talk about like parabens or they talk about this or they talk about yeah. that one. Preservative is a whole science unto itself. That it's is the package. It's the stuff that's in it's it. It's the yeah. stuff I'm talking about. It's the fact that people know how to appropriately garb up in the factory to limit how much exposure their own bodies have to the That's product. part of the preservative process. It's how it's yeah. cleaned. It's how the men's stuff is maintained. It's the fact that it's tested on the regular. All of this counts. So this idea that somehow they take a big vat of stuff and then at the very end, they like salt it with preservative is not an accurate kind of assessment. And that's why I have to tell you the most dangerous things of all are these like small natural when people buy stuff off of Etsy for she skincare, made it in her kitchen. Oh yeah. dear God in heaven! I mean, really, which way did you want to die today, ma'am? I mean, it's just <laughs> wow. I think we know where you stand on that one. We can, we made it through all the terms we wanted to ask you about, but we, now we now we can have some fun before Renella, we let you go. We we want to get warm and fuzzy and cozy with you. We just want to know a little bit more about you, 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 the woman, who you are at home. We know your speed yeah, round. Yeah. yeah, we know your stance on all of these these hardcore issues, but we want to know just a little like little personal personal info about you. Okay, this is our lightning round. Ready? You were not prepped for these questions. What is the SPF you're loving the most right now? Oh, a few. I actually have a few that I like. Um, I hold my nose because I don't like their marketing. It's very clean, but um, I like a bunch of the products from. Um, Supergoop, they're really, really nice products. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also really liking a bunch that um, are products from Asia. Like I'm actually finding that they just have much, much better sunscreens. So infinitely kind of nicer than ours. You like the feel, right? You like the feel of the sunscreen. They're just completely different if you want to wear makeup or do anything with them. And I have small children, so there are sticks everywhere in my life. Okay. I feel like the sticks, when I put the sticks on Lake, they feel really draggy. Like, I feel like I'm like pulling her cheek like three inches out from her face. I actually am going to add something because I was sent it. I did not pay for it. I'm disclosing. She did not ask me to press for it. She was sending me as a sample. I have completely fallen in love with a sunscreen from a Swedish company called Evy. E-V-Y. They are mousse sunscreens. Literally mousse Mm. from 1993. That consistency, okay. yeah, it is yeah. the most lovely stuff. It's mousse. Okay. You hold it upside down like the old Tresemme, yeah. and you yeah, put yeah. it on like this, and it is so Lake gorgeous and delightful. Yeah, and I tell that. people to do that. Well, I actually asked a bunch of people on Instagram tips for kids how to do sunscreen. I got I saw some great answers. Oh, my God, did you see the answers? Because they're genius. I started. One of them was to use a um, – I have so many good answers. One was to give the kid a makeup sponge. And use uh-huh. that to rub it in because kids find that really special. The best one is there's a product, and I'm going to tell you what it is so you can add it to your list at the end. You can buy on Amazon for five bucks, which is basically a roller that you put sunscreen into and it goes on and kids think it's wonderful. Some other genius woman told me she made a deal with her toddler where she puts it on like the face and then she lets them put it on under the rash guard where it doesn't matter. She, mm. <laughs> I, I literally got... 50 genius ideas. Agency. She just gave the kid agency. Uh, I love that. It's so clever, though. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart. Yeah, the, the face is obviously the hardest part. Okay, I told you these are going to be lightning rounds. It's not getting so lightning yet. Okay, ready? Most visited website. The, <laughs> the scientific side behind Atola. <laughs> oh, the scientific side behind <laughs> Atola? The, the, okay. the company. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Not interesting. Okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Favorite word. Oh, I changed these for Ranella. I, uh, guys, uh, the reason why I changed oh, these for Ranella- Oh, she already did our normal five. Yeah, yeah people are probably like, what are these crazy questions? She did her questions already. Her, She did the Fat Mascara five on episode 249, except for one of them, because we changed one of them in the between. So you, you guys will know what that one is. So I, I made up some fun ones for Ranella. Jen and I did these. Okay, so favorite word. I have many favorite words. 
Um, Hit me. My office likes the word Renellaism because they keep track of sort of funny words that I say. The word I like today is because my little one had a 70s themed birthday party and we dressed her and I said, you look so groovy. And I realized that that was a meaningless word. So now I've been just saying groovy to be obnoxious at home. It's a fun groovy. word. I love it. Austin Powers, groovy baby. Yeah. A lesson that took you a long time to learn. That's my serious moment for this one. To genuinely believe that people are what they show you to be. I genuinely still, even at this point in my life, find myself making excuses. But, well, she shouldn't have said that or he did this and da, da, da. And sometimes people are just what they are, both good and bad. Like, it's just people are complex entities. And, you know, we should not put our own thoughts onto what other people are or do. Boy, that was a lousy answer. Sorry. No, no, it was good. I learned good. to put no, on I sunscreen. I, am at, I learned that if you don't wear sunscreen, it's very bad. Okay. And then here's the one that you didn't list, that you, that you didn't, we didn't have the last time that you um, were on this show, but this is like part of our five this year. Who would narrate the movie of your life? I mean, I'd probably have to go with James Earl Jones. That's a good okay. But nobody's going to know who that is in your audience. No, people know. Are you James kidding? Earl we Jones have a very is. wide, wide okay. also, demographic. Other people have given that answer. We've had that answer from some other guests. So well, how could you not? I mean, just. Yeah, he's got a great voice. Just, yes, I think that is very, very, very true. <laughs> yes. If she's available, I'm also very happy to entertain Oprah. I think that would be terrific also. Okay, we'll let her know. Yeah, Brunella, thank, you, please. thank you for cutting through the BS for us, as usual. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product with you or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at fatmascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.